0: Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AMLAW 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness, and I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hello there. This is Heather Mulder. Welcome to the Life in Law Podcast. And today we are going to kind of follow up from our conversation last week with Marianne Lee on Overcoming Common Business Development Challenges, and if you haven't listened, definitely go back and listen to that. I'll put a link in the show notes. We're going to talk about something that keeps coming up uh, with questions that I'm receiving from potential clients and clients that I'm having, and that is how to grow your business during a recession. Now, I know there's some debate as to whether we're technically in a recession, at least at the time I'm actually recording this. And regardless of whether we are or not, it is clear that we are in tougher economic times and that there may be some tougher times to come. And it can be really hard to grow your business in that time period. For some of us, it's not. It actually increases business. For others, it drastically reduces business. So no matter what kind of category you're in, I want to kind of try to take some of that anxiety away today. And have you focus on three specific things. Now, a couple of things before we get into these three things. Growing your business in a recession really isn't all that different than growing your business during good times. And in fact, the way that I teach business development and talk about how to go about it works. (laughs) It works whether times are really great or times are really tough. That being said, it can be tougher in harder times because clients have budgets and people have less money to play with. And so there's less that goes out um, from companies and corporations that keep more in oftentimes. And then people are just a little more stingy about what they want to pay for. So it does get a little bit harder. But if you're doing it the right way, you can still grow a thriving practice. You can still keep what you have, and even grow from there. And I know this because I did it. So if you do not know my story, uh, just a quick recap so that I don't bore those that do know it, I made partner in January of 2008 as a corporate finance attorney. And if you remember anything about 2008, that is when everything crashed. Now, interesting side note, the business that I was in, what I did as a lawyer at that time was structured finance. And (laughs) some other types of lending work. But I would say 80% of my practice was structured finance. That market, it actually was already crashing at the time that I made partner. It was clear to me a couple of months prior to that what was going on. And in fact, it was really clear what was going to happen the summer before. We all knew what was coming. And by the time I'd made partner... It had really started a lot of people who weren't in the market that started the whole crash um, didn't really see it as drastically until later that year when the stock market went crazy but I was already starting to see it and I was really nervous I made partner with a couple of key clients I did have a very small book of business of my own that I was really proud of and every bit of that business was gone by the end of that year I only did a couple of things for them that first quarter, and then it pretty much went away. So I had very little to do during the first year I made partner, and I became primarily a service partner for others in other areas of finance where they were dealing with workouts, bankruptcy work, that kind of a thing. So by the end of 2008, it was very clear that the work I had been doing for a number of years up until that point was not coming back anytime soon. I kind of wrote, read the tea leaves and realized that not only was it not going to come back anytime soon, but when it did eventually come back, it wouldn't be what it was. And I wanted out. I wanted to do something different. Now, I didn't pivot in a way where I wasn't doing finance anymore. I just pivoted into another finance practice. I decided to do asset based lending and started to grow my practice. And, you know, I made that decision. I guess I could say it was done towards the end of 2008, and into the beginning of 2009. And I had to start from scratch. I had nothing at that point. I had no real contacts in that area. And I, (laughs) it was hard. And two years later, I had a million dollar book of business. And a couple years after that, I kept, you know, I almost had doubled that. And by the time I left law, it was over two and a half million. So I'm not telling you this to brag, because here's the deal, y'all. Anybody can do this. right? Anybody can grow a thriving practice. You just need to do the right things and be really consistent with them. I find that most lawyers make it overcomplicated. They think it's going to take too much time. And so they don't even do it in the first place. And that's that's mistake number one. Um, And there's a lot of misconceptions around what business development is and how to go about it. So we're going to go into the three key things that I want you to focus on to help grow your business in a recession. These are three things that you should be doing anyway, but they're incredibly important in harder times because it is a little bit harder to get that business. Not impossible again, but a little bit harder. Be sure, though, that you listen to a couple of other episodes where I've covered you know, what to do and what not to do. I will put those in the show notes and also... Grab hold of the Client Development Blueprint. I've offered it before. I'm offering it again. If you do not have it, I highly recommend you get it. It's got these concepts in there, and it's kind of a five-step process for going about business development the way that I teach it. That really does work. It works well in any economy, and it's going to help you really take these concepts and run with them. Okay, so key number one. Key number one is to be authentic. Be authentic. Now, I know you're rolling your eyes. I know it because I used to roll my eyes, and I still sometimes do, whenever I hear somebody talking about authenticity. What on earth does that mean? It is not about sharing too much information. I think there is a misconception out there, and a lot of coaches really say this in the wrong way about what authenticity is. It doesn't mean you always have to be super vulnerable. It doesn't mean you have to share too much. That's not what, I, what I'm talking about when I talk about authenticity, okay? Okay especially not in the professional context as an attorney. What I mean is show up as you every single day, okay? Show up as you when you're networking, when you're asking for business, when you're marketing, when you're doing your business development activities, show up as you. And what I mean by that is how do you show up in your day-to-day? How do you show up in your day-to-day with your team, with your clients? That's the person you need to be. I often find that people try to put on an air of false confidence, false bravado, because they feel so anxious and nervous around business development. And what you don't want is that, because it comes across as inauthentic and not trustworthy. It's harder to trust somebody who comes across that way. So this is why I say you want to be authentic. Okay. now, how do you do that? Well, we're going to get into the other two keys, which are actually going to help you. But first and foremost, you want to come in with the right mentality. I think oftentimes when we're doing business development activities, especially when we're networking or we're, you know, about to take a potential client to lunch that we've been wooing for a while and we know we're going to ask them for their business, we're going to make the ask, the sale, right? We're going into selling mode. We put way too much pressure on ourselves that I have to meet the right people. I have to meet a certain number of people. I have to have the exact right conversation. I have to make a great impression. I don't want to screw this up. They need to say yes. We, we go in with this really needy mentality that's about us. That is the worst way to go about it. And you're not going to be very authentic in the way that I'm talking about. You're not going to show up as your best self in that place. So you need to take pressure off of yourself. The fact of the matter is no one event, no one conversation, no one ask is the end of the road. (laughs) It is the beginning or the middle of a very long journey. And so you want to keep that in mind and have that mentality whenever you go into these types of events and experiences. The other thing that I would say is it's okay to feel a little bit nervous. That's actually really normal. You would be kind of abnormal if you never got nervous in those scenarios. But don't lean into that nervousness, okay? We tend to try to convince ourselves and tell ourselves, don't be nervous, don't be nervous, which has the exact opposite effect that we want. When we tell our brains not to do something it clearly is doing, it just battles back and digs in. (laughs) And so you're leaning into it even more. Instead of doing that, tell yourself, you know what? I am excited about whatever it is. I'm excited to go have lunch with this person and actually see how I can serve them more and offer that up to them. I'm excited to see what they'll say. I'm excited to go to this new networking event. I'm sure I'll meet some great people. Your brain actually responds or sees nervousness and excitement in a very similar manner. And so when you tell yourself, I'm excited instead of nervous, you actually diminish a little bit of that nervousness and you allow yourself to get over your nerves a little bit more quickly and a little bit better. Now, it does not necessarily mean the nerves go away completely, but that's okay. I've talked before about needing to get comfortable in the discomfort, okay? This is one of those times. You've got to just be willing to to feel that way and do it anyway do it anyway okay so key number one is to be authentic and this really starts with your mentality and bringing the right mentality to whatever business activity that you're doing key number two is to serve first now this actually helps you to be more authentic By coming at it with, I would call it a servant leadership type perspective. How can I serve? How can I help? Tapping into one of the reasons you wanted to be a lawyer in the first place, to serve people, to help them, right? So it helps to bring a bit more curiosity and creativity into the mix. And it helps to take the pressure off of selling when talking to potential clients and having to make your networking networking event, you know, having to come across as the best and come away with X number of contacts, it helps take some of that pressure down because you're going to go into these types of situations with some goals, right? Which you may or may not achieve because it's not all up to you. This helps take that pressure off of you having to kill your goals and it helps set you up for the right mentality for being authentic. So some tips for, Service first. When networking, ask questions. You do not have to convince them you know everything, you can do it all. You do not have to convince them you're an expert when you're networking. I see this mistake a lot. We feel like we have to prove ourselves when we're first meeting people. You don't have to do that. All you need to do is show up as you and have some really good questions ready for people that get them talking. So that you can listen and then if they turn out to be an interesting potential contact for you to keep up with, you can ask more questions, get more curious. That's what the service-oriented mentality will help you to do. This also works. So it works really well in networking events, takes the pressure off, allows you not to talk so much, by the way. (laughs) It allows you to just ask some questions, listen to them, ask more, and get into a more normal conversation so it doesn't feel awkward. But it also works really well when you're going to go in for a sale. So when you're going into an event where you know you're going to be asking for their business, where you know you're going to be asking how you can expand that relationship, coming at it from a service-first mentality helps take some of that pressure off when you're going in. So instead of going in thinking, I need this. I need the sale. I'm selling to them. You go in thinking, you know what? We have been forming a relationship for the last four months. It's time to ask how I can help them further, how we can take this further. And they may not bite on it initially, and that's okay. They don't have to. But I'm doing my job as a lawyer, I you know, I wanted to come into this as a service first professional. I'm here to serve them. I'd love to do more of that and that might be the next step. So it changes your mentality around the sale and it takes some of that pressure off and it again makes you less nervous and less likely to fumble your words when you are asking for their business. So be authentic Service first mentality. Key number three, keep it simple. (laughs) As my business coach would say, K I S S, KISS, keep it super simple. This has to do with what you're doing when it comes to your business development activities. We lawyers have a tendency to look at what everybody else is doing and think we've got to do all of that. When in fact, What's really successful and works really well is to be super consistent at just one or two things. Keep it super simple, okay? You do not have to go speak and write and network at every event you can possibly think of. If you write, you don't have to write in every trade journal, bar journal, and on LinkedIn. Like, keep it simple. Figure out, number one, what are your skills and strengths Okay, what are you good at? What are you strong at? And then also, what do you like doing? Okay? And pick one main marketing activity based on that. Just one. And start there and be consistent. So if you enjoy writing, write. If you'd prefer to speak, speak. If you like speaking, but you don't like to speak in really big kind of, you know, um, settings, if you like a more intimate group, find a smaller professional association that you could maybe regularly do something for them. Like There's a lot of ways to do this. Keep it simple. Start small. You just want to be consistent. And this goes for networking, too. I see a lot of lawyers make the mistake. Well, several mistakes, actually, when it comes to networking. The first mistake is that they think they need to be everywhere. You don't. Pick one or two professional organizations or associations that make sense for you, that are relevant for the people that you're trying to attract. And this could be they have the perfect clients there or really great referral sources. It could be a lot of different things. But pick just one or two and get really active there. Probably just one, right? It doesn't have to be two places. Somewhat depends on your practice area, but do not overextend yourself and get really active there and network. Or if you like to speak, instead of joining and getting really active in an association, piggyback your speaking with your networking. So go to places where, again, relevant people are going to be. There's no point in speaking somewhere where nobody is relevant. <laughs> You speak there and then you network after. You don't have to then go network in a million other places. Keep it super simple. So that applies to kind of how you combine networking with your marketing efforts, okay? And then how you go about starting the networking. It also applies, and this is the second mistake that I see, when it comes to your follow-up. You do not have to follow up with every person you meet, Let me say that again. You do not have to follow up with every person that you meet. The whole goal of going to networking events is to find the right people. If you don't find the right people, you don't need to follow up with them, okay? Now, it doesn't mean you're rude. It doesn't mean you don't network with them a little bit and get to know them. Because you never know. Somebody who you think is not relevant, a year later you might find out they are. Or maybe they've moved into a different position where they've become more relevant. And if you continually have a relationship at networking events where you see each other, that's great you know, you can then take it further when it becomes more relevant. So you do not need to follow up with everybody. I see this all the time where people go to these events and they collect 30 business cards from people. How is that really going to help you? You cannot follow up with 30 people. My recommendation is that you go into each and every networking event with a goal. I want to have Three really good conversations with people where I get to know them and I actually understand who they are, what they do, and whether they're relevant to me or not. That is a valid goal if you're going to an association event or somewhere for the first time and you're not sure who would be relevant there or if the people there would be relevant and it's a fact-finding mission. Once you get into it and you start to discover, okay, yeah, no, this is a great place for me to come regularly to their events. Then you can have a goal of, I want to walk away having met at least one or two people that might be relevant. You don't need 20. You don't need 10. Okay? And so then you get their information and you put them into your follow-up. That makes it more doable. Now, something to note, I have a tool to help you determine who you should be following up with and how often to follow up with them. And I've just recently added it to the Client Development Blueprint. So if you're out there and you've already got it and you didn't get the tool, don't worry. Within the next couple of weeks, I will be reaching out and sending that back out to people who have it or had downloaded it. This is assuming you're still on my list. If you're not or you wanna get it before I'm able to get it to you, reach out to me and I will get it directly to you. If you do not have the Client Development Blueprint yet, grab it now it has a tool in there to help you figure out who to follow up with because at the end of the day you want to follow up pe- with people who are actually relevant to your business who can send you actual business or other contacts who would give you business and who are actually willing and able to do so and so this tool helps you determine that and then rank you know how important is it because again you can only follow up with so many people. And this is where people really do go wrong when they try to go all in on networking. They go out. They network like crazy. They come, across, come away with all these contacts. And then they try to follow up with everybody consistently. And it's just impossible. So you need to be able to narrow it down and then kind of revisit that every, I say, quarterly to six months to kind of re-rank people and move forward. All right. Let's recap very quickly. The three keys to growing your business in a recession or any difficult economy, which also will help you grow your business anytime, is to number one, be authentic. Be you. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't be needy. Just be there as your authentic self as you show up with your clients. Key number two, come from a place of service first. It will help you be more authentic, and it will help you network much more effectively and make a sale without bumbling those words. Key number three, keep it super simple. Just one or two main activities that you can stay consistent with. Don't overdo it with networking. Yes, you need to network, but keep it simple Make sure you are very focused, laser focused on the right people and being consistent with them, not a million different people. Okay, that is it for today. We will be back in next week with a guest, another guest interview. Bye for now. Are you tired of barely squeezing life in thinking, shouldn't there be more to life than this? Do you want to get to the next level, but without losing yourself in the process? are you ready to start thinking and doing differently so that you can stop doing the same things over and over and over, hoping for a different result? If any of this speaks to you and you're ready to do something about it starting now, book a call with me to find out how I can help. Go to lifeandlawpodcast.com forward slash free call.